God. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team and prayer team. We're gonna continue our, our time of worship uh, with the tithes and the offerings. Praise God. If you're excited, tell somebody. You can give. Uh, we have uh, cards with the, with the ushers uh, that you can go ahead and give. If you're a visitor, uh, you know, but if you're family, uh, we thank you for your support and your faithfulness and your giving. You can give by e-transfer, info at i9church.com. Uh, you can do mail or drop off at the address there. You can go ahead and throw it in the wood box at the back in the envelope. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you that you are worthy of it all, that we exalt you in our life, we exalt you in our giving, that you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. Thank you that your word says that we are faithful, that you will be faithful over us, Lord, that when we take care of your house, you take care of ours, that we are the faithful steward and to who much is given, even much more will be given, God, when we are faithful with, with what you've given us, Lord. We ask for a spiritual, supernatural blessing for abundance and no lack for all of those families here today, God. We thank you that sickness is not in the midst of us, that you causeth us to, to fulfill our destiny here in this lifetime, God. We thank you that you walk with us, you walk in front of us and you walk behind us, God. We thank you that your word says that you've never seen your children scratching for bread, Lord. We, th we stand on your promises yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We give you the, the glory, the honor, the praise. We ask that you multiply the seed that we give for your kingdom's sake. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God, I'm excited to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Mike. I'm the outreach pastor at I-9 Church. Um, pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry send their love. They're uh, deep on the mission field, evangelizing on the beaches of Mexico. They're baptizing in the oceans. Praise God. You know, that's one thing that uh, pastors are not good at is taking Sabbath. God took Sabbath, and so we should too, and so I'm excited that uh, Pastor Brian and Sherry were able to uh, take a Sabbath and go and leave me the keys to the whole place. What a bunch of crazy people they are. I'm excited. So just some announcements, and then we're going to get into our uh, Christmas message. Merry Christmas to all of those who are here. Um, so Christmas Eve service is going to be this Saturday. We're going to start at 4.30, but don't come at 4.30. Come at 4.15. That's when the doors are opening, because we're going to have hot chocolate. We're going to have time of fellowship, and we want to celebrate Christmas with you. So if it starts at 4.30, don't be Canadian Christians and come at 4.40. Come at 4.15. Get a hot chocolate, tell someone God loves them, have a nice time together, and we're gonna have a really fun family service. Um, invite somebody out. It'll be a really great time to invite them out. It's gonna be a one-hour service. We'll have children's church at the back. We're gonna do Christmas carols. We'll have a word from all the pastors and some of the different leaders, and it's just gonna be a really nice family get-together. Saturday night at what time? 4.15. That's right, that was a test. Anybody said 4.30, we're going to get a rebuke. <laughs> Starts at 4.30, but we will be here at 4.15 when the doors open. Praise God. We will have a service on Christmas Day. That is a Sunday from one week from today. We're going to have a service. Uh, it's going to be from 10 to 11, so it'll be a one-hour service. It's the same thing. We're going to have Children's Church at the back because we want to give our volunteers the ability to have the day. Um, and we're gonna do the same thing on New Year's Day service. Sunday's just lining up for each of those holidays. So Christmas Day and New Year's Day, we'll have service from 10 to 11, like normal. It'll be a shorter service, children's church at the back, family service, please bring your kids. Suffer not the little children, let them come to me. Praise God, here we go. Um, there will not be a lighthouse uh, tomorrow or the second because tomorrow there is, tomorrow there is lighthouse. Next Monday on January 2nd, there will not be. I'm sorry. Praise God. The 26th, there will not be because it is a holiday. That's what I meant to say. The 26th and the 2nd. Forgive me. Listen, they didn't hire me for my ability to do announcements, okay? And, uh, oh, also, who's my neighbor is ready to go. So we're excited. Praise God. Be excited. This is the thing I love the most to do with ministry is to bless people. So we are gonna have our people uh, up here. So if you nominated a family, it's there because we didn't say no to anybody, okay? So I have your names. If you're the pickup person, I have your name on the bag. 
come see me after service or one of the ushers or one of the leaders. We're gonna sort you out, we're gonna hook you up because we went turkeys for some, we went hams for some because we wanted to be culturally respective for certain people and we wanna be a light, okay? So, uh, and thank you to everybody who helped me set up this morning, it was very busy. All right, are you ready for the message? God is good and all the time and that is his nature. Look at your neighbor and say, you picked a good day to come to church. Praise God. Because I realize that today is December 18th, but next Sunday is Christmas, and the Sunday after that's New Year's. And so for a lot of people, it might be difficult to get out to church. And so I have for you a December 18th message, and a Christmas message, and a New Year's challenge. Praise God, I'm doing it all. It's the whole package, it's the trifecta. Let's read the Bible together in Matthew 2. <clears throat> We're gonna read together verses one through 11. When I say read together, I mean I will read out loud and you will read quietly. Because I realize we have a lot of translations. I say, wow, that church is so Pentecostal. They're all praying in tongues even when they read the Bible. Nobody can understand anybody. Matthew 2, one verse 11. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means uh, least among the rulers of Judah, sorry, Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When, the saw, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we're gonna talk about that today. Uh, I got a couple little things here. And uh, the biggest thing when I read this is that the world was rejoicing when Jesus came. This is something that uh, we don't always fully grasp. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, in Proverbs 13, 12, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Other versions will actually say that a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. And you know, there are times in our life where we are waiting for something to happen for a really long time and you can start to get tired in waiting and waiting and waiting. But when that thing happens, it is an exciting, it is a promise fulfilled. It is a tree of life. And I'm telling you that you will remember that tree of life in other times and other seasons and other times of waiting. You remember the promise. And now I want you to realize that the Israel, the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people were standing on a promise for thousands of years for a Messiah to come. They had prophet after prophet after prophet tell him he was coming, tell him he was coming. God was using the prophets as figures as images of what Jesus was gonna be like. Pastor Howie, two weeks ago, walked through every Bible, uh, every book of the Bible, talking about the Jesus picture of Jesus in every single book. The world was waiting. And when Jesus came on the scene, there was rejoicing. Now, you, you, you hear the stories about, about John the Baptist in utero rejoicing of the, of the news of Jesus. You see the, the shepherds in the field rejoicing. But I wanna talk about the wise men from the east. Because there's something really special about the wise men. Now, you'll hear sometimes people talk about we three kings of Orient. Okay, right? I'm not on the worship team for my singing, okay? But you have the three kings 
and, and, and these were not really kings, okay? There's nothing really biblical that tells us that they were kings and that they were royal, but what we do know is that these were wise men. Even the word magi comes from kind of the word like magic. Like these guys would have been, um, when you look through the history and the commentaries, these would have been like almost astrologers. They were star watchers. And in those times, star watchers were basically scientists, okay? <laughs> they didn't have a lot of the technology, okay? So the guy who watches the stars and he kind of knows when the moons and he can kind of tell with the sea. And uh, so these guys were wise men and they would have been extremely wealthy wise men to be able to go on far convoys with lots and lots of gifts, okay? Um, what are some other things we don't know? We don't know exactly where they came from in the east, but we know that they would have traveled for, from a far away. Another thing is that sometimes we people say that there's three wise men. Now, the reason why people think there's three wise men is because there were three notable gifts that were brought. Me personally, I believe there was more than three, okay? I believe that there was a serious number coming in because you would have also had the wise men, however many, you would have had their servants, you would have had the camels, you would have had the convoy, okay? You would have had a large amount of people. So when we see these nativity scenes, you know, it seems there's just a few people. I believe that there would have been a huge number of people coming because they recognized that Jesus was a promise fulfilled to people. Now, what's something else that's very interesting? These guys would not have even been Jewish. They came from the East. The world was rejoicing to the point where the King Herod at the time wasn't even aware of when Jesus was coming or where he was gonna be or how it was gonna happen, but people from far, far away heard and saw in the stars and they would have been studied people, they would have known scripture, they would have been reading different prophets and they knew Jesus was coming and it wasn't even his people that they were coming to worship. You wanna talk about something, that's, that's a crazy thing for me to understand is that they were coming to worship a king that wasn't even theirs. Very similar to when you had Queen of Sheba come all the way because she heard about what Solomon was doing and she wanted to go see about Solomon. It says that she came and she was amazed at what Solomon was doing and she said, uh, we, we, prank, we thank God that he has put you on this throne and it said that she, that she was thankful for him, that anything she asked he sent and it says that she brought all these gifts. She came from the east. Queen of Sheba. So I, I, I think that there's something very amazing that you've got all of these people in this far off land and they're watching and they're waiting to see what God is gonna do with Jesus. Are you with me? It wasn't just a whole bunch of Hebrew scholars that, were, that knew when Jesus was coming and where he was coming. It was non-Jewish people from far, far away that recognized that God was fulfilling his promise to the Jewish people because they were watching. Are you, watch, are you with me? We even see in the prophet, prophetic of Isaiah 60, verse six, the prophet Isaiah is saying, herds of camel will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. You wanna talk about a prophecy that might have been hard to fulfill? Tell the Jewish people that people who are not Jewish from a very far away land are gonna bring a whole bunch of camels to come rejoice and, and, and bring gifts and incense and gold and to worship the Messiah of the Jews. Are you with me? Interesting, I read my Bible, guys, I studied this one. The three gifts, it says that there's a notable three gifts, and I wanna talk about these three gifts, the significance of them at the time, and the significance that they should be for us as we go into this Christmas season and for the new year. The first gift that we see that they brought is gold. Gold is the medal of the kings. It was prophetic of Christ being the king of kings. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 15, we see it says, and he who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In Revelation 1, verses five, it says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. And then we even see in John 12, where it says, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. You understand that when 
in the writings of John when it said, fear not, daughter of Zion, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. That was again a prophetic reference from the prophet Zechariah. The reason why I'm saying all of this is because it was thousands of years of, 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 of prophets and judges who were not able to properly rule God's people. And he said, the son of God is coming, Jesus is coming, and he is going to be a king above kings. When Herod told the wise men, go find Jesus and let me know where he is so that I might go worship him, really what King Herod wanted to do is he wanted to go find Jesus and kill him because he was afraid that he would be usurped on his throne. He didn't recognize the spiritual importance of what Jesus was. All he knew was that there was another king that was born in his place, very similar to a Saul and David situation right? The anointed king and the appointed king. Herod might have been the appointed one, but Jesus was the king of kings, and Herod wants to know where he was. Another very interesting thing that I forgot to mention the previous is that when the wise men got to, the, to, to, Joseph, uh, to Jesus, it says that he was at that point a child. What does that mean? That means that they traveled for a very long period of time to go meet someone who wasn't a baby anymore. He was a child at that point in time. So next time you see a nativity with the wise men and the little baby, you can be a, a biblical nerd and say, well, actually, he might have been about a toddler at this point in time. Praise God. Be that person. Everyone loves that guy. The reason, <laughs> even in, in Isaiah, it talks about that the government would be seated on his shoulders. The reason why we're talking about this is because there is something in this day and age where we have forgotten that Jesus is king over kings. The reason why I emphasize that we should be bringing gold to the feet of Jesus this Christmas and in this New Year's is that we should be proclaiming that Jesus, and I'm not talking about bringing your money, okay? This isn't a tithes and offerings message, but what I'm saying is, is, is Jesus the king of your life? The reason why I say, is he the king of your life is because, listen, the government can do so much. But the king that is above the government, that the government that sits on the shoulders of the king, when you know that the king is good, when you know that the king is holy, when you know that the king has a plan and a purpose for you, when you know that the king is in control of the storms in life, when you know that the king knows the future as well as he knows the past, when you know the king knows every hair in your head, you start to get a lot less concerned about the failures and the missteps of governments because you know the king of kings is in control. Are you with me? Listen, I've got an opinion about everything in the government, but at the end of the day, I know that there's a king upon which the government sits on, and I'm convinced on what that king is gonna do in the situation. Are you with me? I don't really get too, too concerned when governments start to do crazy because I know that the king above the government has control. I know that I read the end of the book. I know what happens at the end, praise God. I'm not a person that gets all fired up and scared and all of these different things because I know that there are governments and there are kings and we worship a, a king of kings, hallelujah. Is Christ the king of your life? They brought gold to let everybody know that he was the king. And he didn't, sometimes they, we see the picture of the small square box and they open it up and they go, here's Jesus, here's your box. You think they're traveling for two years to give, to give baby Jesus seven loonies? <laughs> Are you with me? They came with camels. You bring camels, you bring gifts. They brought Gold. When Queen Sheba came with Solomon, it says she brought treasures. She brought stuff from far away because she knew that God was doing something and she wanted to be a part of it. When the wise men came from the far off land, they knew God was doing something and they wanted to be a part of it. They recognized that Jesus, who was born of a Hebrew, was the king above the kings that they were under. Are you with me? It says, we, it says that they rejoiced. Why would you rejoice if he wasn't your king? Because he was the king of their king. Are you with me, church? Praise God. Frankincense, the incense of the temple, prophetic of Christ being the son of God. In Exodus 30, we're gonna read this. Exodus 30, verse 34 to 36. The Lord says to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacked onicha galbanum, 
Sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be an equal part. And make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Frankincense was an extremely holy oil that was used in the temples, in the meeting places. And what it would actually do is it would create such thick smoke in the holiness that it was almost used as a buffer between the priest and when the Lord would come in and sit on the mercy seat inside the temple. And when, God, and when the prophet would meet with God in those meeting temples, the smoke that would be pouring out from this pure frankincense would be filling up the holy of holies. And it would be filling up in, in such a way. And God said, this is specifically what is desired and required for the temple for when you meet with me. It is gonna be holy for you. You're not using frankincense for your own stuff. That frankincense and those spices, that is for me. And he was so serious about this that in Leviticus 10, verses one to three, there's a really crazy story. It says, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, okay, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and they offered a strange fire before the Lord. Other translations will say an unauthorized or, an, or forbidden fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. They died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified and before all the people, I will be glorified and Aaron held his peace. These guys came in, and they did not use the, the frankincense that God had commanded them to be using. They didn't use the proper uh, uh, mixture that God had told them to do, they, and they went and they lit up whatever they wanted to do, whatever they put together in the temple, and they were killed immediately by a fire. Why? Because God is holy. And because God will not allow a strange fire or unauthorized things to happen in his presence because he's holy. And the reason why I'm saying he's holy is because sometimes we forget about the holy of holies. Listen, when God left the temple, he did not become less holy. He just made you holy enough to be the temple. Are you with me? Sometimes we talk about God is love, God is love. It, the Bible says God is love a couple times. The Bible says God is holy hundreds of times. The reason why I'm telling you this is that when the, when the wise men came, they brought gold and they said, you are the king of kings. But when they brought frankincense, they were saying, you are the holy of holies. You are holy. You are holy. You are perfect. There is nothing unclean inside of you. You are pure. The oil that is reserved for you and you, for God and God alone is coming for Jesus, who is the son of God. It was a prophetic uh, uh, answer that frankincense, that the anointing of holiness was brought into the house of Jesus as a child because it was recognizing his uh, uh, godship in the triune God. Are you with me, church? And later on in Leviticus 10, verse 10, just seven, six, six, seven verses later, it says, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common. Church, do we distinguish between the holy and the common in our life? Or do we oftentimes bring a strange fire into our time with God? Do we bring an unauthorized thing to God? Do we just kind of bring whatever we got, whatever we got, and just, this is what I got, God, this is what you get? Or is God holy in your life? This Christmas, I really wanna encourage you, spend some time recognizing and acknowledging the holiness of God. You know, in Exodus 3, Jesus, or Moses is in a cave looking for the sheep or whatever he was doing, and he sees the burning tree. He sees the burning tree. And what does it say in Exodus 3, verse 5? 
then God says, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Listen, if a burning tree that the Spirit of God is moving in can make the ground of a cave so holy that Moses has to take his feet off of his presence, can you imagine how much reverence there was to the holiness of Jesus when the wise men came to see the Son of God in the flesh, born to them, an answer to the prophetic, and they brought out the frankincense and said, this is the holiness of God. Are you with me? It wasn't just, this is a nice thing to make your house smell nice. (laughs) This is a glade freshener for all the donkeys, right? No, it was, this is oil that would have been used in the temple that the Spirit of God was hovering in when it was meeting with people. I think that's just amazing to me. In 1 Peter 1, verses 14 to 16, Peter references the Old Testament. Some people just wanna throw the whole Old Testament away. Listen, there is rituals and there is traditionals, but the holiness of the Old Testament is still the holiness of today. The righteousness of Abraham is available to us by faith, which is the righteousness of Christ. Don't go ahead and throw away everything in the Old Testament and think you can live however you want because God is love. Because listen, Psalm 97 tells us that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. The Bible tells us that he sits in the holy places. And in 1 Peter 1, which is New Testament, Peter references the law where he says, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passion of a former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. So it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Why I'm saying that into this Christmas time is because there are so many opportunities for us as the church to recognize and acknowledge God's holiness in this season. Now, I don't care if people say, you know, Jesus actually wasn't born on December 25th. I don't care. He was born in February. He was born in August. I don't give a rip, okay? I don't care when he was born. What it is is I have a time in this life and I have a time with my family where we are sitting down and we are giving each other gifts just as the wise men gave Jesus the gifts and just as he has given us so freely so we receive it. We give gifts to each other, but the biggest thing that we do is we acknowledge and we recognize the kingship of Christ in this world and the holiness of Christ being the son of God, part of the triune spirit. Are you with me? The holiness. There's something about the holiness that we're missing and we lean on the love and we lean away from the holiness. Listen, God's holiness is such that he is perfect love and he is perfect holiness. Are we holy in our, in our conduct this Christmas season? Are we holy in January? Do we put together time where we take off our feet and we acknowledge and establish that right now in this moment, this is holy ground that I'm gonna be meeting with Jesus? Because listen, he might have left the Holy of Holies, but it says that you have become a temple. What does that mean? That means that the Spirit of God, if you are saved, if you have been filled and indwelled with the Spirit of God, that means that the holy place, the holy of holies, that the meeting place with the Spirit of God is inside of you. So are you holy? Be holy as I am holy. Why? Because the Spirit inside of you requires and demands and authorizes that you live yourself in such a pure and conduct way because the holy of holies lives inside of you. And it's so easy for us to forget the, the importance. Salvation is free, but living for Christ will cost you everything. It's a free gift, but there's a mission attached to the free gift. It's a mission that matters. It's a mission that gives you a purpose. It's a mission that gives you a plan. Okay, listen, salvation is free, but it costs you everything. Is he holy in your life? Do you establish a time of holiness in your life? Or is it convenience? It's what you get, it's what I got. Because my friends, Don't bring strange fires to the temples of God. Give God what he asked for. Give God your very best. Give God what he's asked for you. Don't compromise and contrast and minimize and break it down and Diet Coke everything. Are you with me? You know a Diet Coke? Ah, it's kinda healthy. Don't Diet Coke the holy places. Diet Pepsi, whatever, don't sue me. If you like Diet Coke, drink your Diet Coke, I don't care. Don't bring Diet Coke to the temple. Praise God. All right, you're all with me, you understand. I speak in Michael, Michael translation sometimes. You understand, even, even we look at, at the very beginning, Adam, uh, uh, oh, bless me, Abel, Cain and Abel, what is it, what happened? Cain brought something that was not 
given the right way. God wanted a, a, an offering to be given with faith, an offering to give him of the first fruits. And it says that the, the offering that Abel brought pleased God, but that the offering that Cain brought, it says that he refused it. I believe that that is very significant and very symbolic of bringing in a strange fire. It's not what God asked for. It's not in reverence of his holiness. It is a cheap knockoff that, that God is too holy and too much of a king to accept. And it says that Cain hated Abel because Abel brought something that was good and Cain brought something that was not. And it says that God recognized and was pleased by Abel. And it says Cain hated him for it to the point of murder. Should we be a church that brings our very best to God this season? Should we be a, ver a church that recognizes the holiness attached to the lifestyle that God was called us to live? Are you with me? Is God seated in a holy place in your life? And are we living holy as he has called us to be holy? My first point, he brought, they brought gold. The prophetic understanding that he was a king, that he is royalty, that he is the king of kings, that he sits above the governments, that he has a throne in heaven, that us as children have a king who cares for us. Praise God. Somebody be happy. He brought frankincense, the recognition and the understanding of holiness, that this was the son of God, that that which was reserved for the pure and the holiness of the temple was given to the son of God because they recognized this was not just a man, but that this was God in the flesh. Praise God. My third point, if we get there, is the myrrh. Now myrrh was, was, a, was a perfume, but what was most commonly used for myrrh was it was a symbol for embalming. It would have been used most often for the recently dead. And I can show you this in case you're not believing me. <laughs> in John 19, verse 38 and 39, and um, you all know the story of Joseph of Arimathea. It was the rich man who gave the tomb to Jesus, right? And it says, uh, so after Jesus had been uh, uh, crucified on the cross, it says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing what? A mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. The reason why he brought the myrrh and the aloes was he was coming to ready the body for burial. Now imagine if you will, that you have a child in your house and wise men from far, far away come and they say, here is all of the gold. Praise God, Lotto 649 hit and I didn't even buy a ticket. Are you with me? Here is the frankincense. He is the son of God. They know that. The angel told them already. Nobody was surprising Mary when they brought in the holy of holy type and oils and different things like that and the anointing oils and all that stuff. Not a surprise. But the myrrh, I wonder in my head if she thought, is this perfume or is this embalming oil? Because it was used for both things. The reason why I want to talk about that is because I believe, and I believe that this was a prophetic understanding that as the prophets said that there would be a Messiah who would come, that he would, that he, all of the different things the prophets said, they also talked about his death talked about, you know, cursed be the man who hangs on the tree, right? They talked about that he would come and that he would bear our affliction. It even says that he would die and that not a bone in his body would be broken. It said that, that it, uh, they said that they would fight over the loss of his garments. Everything that you see happen in the crucifixion story, everything you see from the whipping to the spears to the crucifixion to the tree, every single thing was prophesied first in the Old Testament, Every single thing. It even says that he would stay in the tomb of the rich man, but he would be killed as a criminal. You wanna talk about the unrealistic, mind-blowing evidence of the, of, the, of, the, of the value and the validity of scripture. You go look at every single prophetic word that has to do with the coming and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You go look at every single thing in the Old Testament and you think about 
everything that you wouldn't have known now if you were back then. You go look at every single one of those prophetic things and then you go today and you look at everything that happened after and you go, yeah, it makes sense. He said this and then this is what happened. Yeah, he'd say, oh, he would take on the curse for the world, that curse would be the man who hangs on the tree. Oh, look, he died by, as a criminal hanging on, a, on the cross as a tree. Oh, it says that he would, he would be buried in the, in, the, in the tomb of a rich man. Well, yeah, Joseph of Arimathea was a very rich man. He, he gave him a tomb. Okay, listen, if you didn't know everything from Matthew 1 forward and everything from behind, you would look at it and go, ain't no way. Camels from Sheba are gonna come worship him. Ain't no way. Oh, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna die as a criminal. He's gonna get buried in the rich man's tomb. He's gonna be broken. He's gonna be murdered uh, by his own people, but not a single bone of his body will be broken. It says that the spear would be pierced for his, our, tra- he was pierced for our transgressions. It says that they pierced him with the spear, the sword and the spear. Listen, you go look at it, it is mind boggling. You, you wanna know why I nerd out in the Bible is because when I start to read and I start to nerd out and I go back into the law and I go start to read all that stuff, I get excited about what God's doing because I realize it is impossible for anybody to come up with any of this stuff except for God. It is impossible. There is no way. If I wanted to concoct my own religion, my prophecies would have been real easy. It'll be maybe a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday. His name might start with a J, maybe a C, right? Listen, listen, you go, you go look at some of these ridiculous things and you go talk to, you, you don't go do any of this, but you know, I watch these shows. I, I'm, not, I'm not blind. I watch, oh, I, I met with this fortune teller. She said, oh, there's somebody in your life who has a, an R, Ralph, Rob, Rick, R- Randy. Hey, Randy, oh, hey. Listen. The Bible is not a book full of cheap tricks about the coming of somebody that might do something. People say, oh, Paul tweaked this and Paul tweaked that. Go give your head a shake. Go pound salt. Put your head against the wall and see if you're smarter. Listen, you go look at every single thing in the Bible and you look at everything that was said and it is impossibility after impossibility after impossibility. You listen to me. They're talking about the nation of Israel would be rebuilt. Listen, but back before 1940, there was no country of Israel. So back in 1930, everything that had to do with Israel was real confusing, but now here in 2022, we go, yeah, Israel, right there in the Middle East. Are you with me? Everything didn't make sense until right now when everything makes sense and we don't recognize the amazing holiness and the amazing power and the amazing impossibilities that God had to do in the world in order for every single prophetic thing to happen in the New Testament and we look at what happened in the New and we go, yeah, that was from here and that was from there. It makes sense. You guys don't understand the amazing and and impossible, impossible things that happened when Jesus was born at the right time, at the right place, at the right season, in the right tribulation, with the right people surrounded by them, at the right time, and every single thing happened that you might have reconciliation with God. The life, the impossibilities of Jesus. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because we celebrate the impossible, the unconventional, the, un, the unrecognizable. The, the, you can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. You can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect sense because it was God's plan. You don't understand, church. If you start to go back and look at every single thing that happened and you start to realize that Jesus was in the seat of every single situation, that every single problem, that every single moment leads up to you having a relationship with God through him being Christ Jesus, that, 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 that every single thing was a shadow of things to come and that you get to live in this day and age when you're no longer living in the shadows, but you're living in the light because you're filled with the spirit of God that you might be able to go and do what people in those days were praying and asking God that they might be able to do. You don't realize people say, I wish I lived back with Jesus. My friend, you have way more opportunity to be living right now because the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. It says it's better that I go. Are you with me, church? I want you to get excited about something. Because everybody talks about, I wish I coulda, you know, back in the day, you know, back over in Africa, you know, back over in Asia, you know, back over here, back over there. I remember back at this, uh, back over here, or back over in Azusa, and back over, who, I don't care about all that. I care about right now, right today. 
Because that's where we are right now, church. It is Christmas season, and I wanna know, is Jesus the King of Kings in your life here in Christmas season? Is there a place of holiness at your table for Jesus being the Son of God? Are you in awe and reverence? Is your mind blown by everything that God has done in the entire world just because he was chasing after you? Unbelievable. We're not even done the message yet. Praise God. I'll take my time. I got 12 minutes because we're gonna have a Christmas carol at the end. But I almost always late. First Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Do you follow Christ in his death? Are you dead to sin? Has the flesh that you walked with been crucified that you might walk in the new life? I decided years ago that I didn't need to carry my flesh around with me anymore. I didn't need to bring it around anymore. I can walk in the new life because Jesus said that he made me a new creation, that if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation for the old has passed away. He told me that I identify with him in his death and his burial and his resurrection. So if I can identify with Jesus in my suffering, I so can I identify with him in my inheritance. I recognize that I don't need to live an unholy and impure life because he has called me and it says that he equips me for the calling and the Bible tells us that the spirit is in me. It says for in this world, you will have great trials and great tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. The Bible tells me that he is coming back for a church that is pure and, and, and uh, without wrinkle. And the Bible tells me that I am a member of that church. And just as in the body there are many members, so are there many different members of the church for we all have a different function. I was so happy when Nathan talked about in prayer that he didn't just make Nathans, he didn't just make Pastor Mikes, he just didn't make Pastor Ricks. Praise God because we don't need more Pastor Mikes. I can barely live with myself, okay? But we need a whole bunch of you people in here. Why? Because Jesus is the King of Kings and he needs an army that goes out for battle on his behalf because he is a king over the army. The Bible says that he is our, our front guard and our rear guard, that he walks beside us. The Bible tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, but it tells us that we have a mission. The great commission is that we might go out into all the world preaching the gospel and making disciples and baptizing in every nation. The Bible tells us that there is a plan and that there is a purpose for us that before he knit you in the womb, he knew you. And I know that. So if Jesus knew me before I was in the womb, if he knew me then, and then he tells me he has a purpose and a plan, then that tells me that everything that I've done, I can't do enough to screw up what God had planned for me, so I don't need to walk around in shame and defeat and in righteousness and in unholiness and all these different things because God knew that was gonna happen and he still called me to do that thing. Are you with me? But... It says to be holy as I am holy. Well, listen, he's not gonna tell me to do something that he's not gonna be inside of me and equip me to do. The Bible says to study that you might be well-equipped. It says to be ready in season and out of season. It tells me there's certain things I gotta do. And you know what the number one thing I gotta do is? Is I gotta identify with Jesus in his death. I identify with Jesus in his death. And you know why I realized at Christmas time is that I got a lot of opinions I got a lot of people I don't like having Christmas dinner with. Got a lot of people I'd rather skip, okay? Can I be honest with you? I'm 100% transparent right now. I don't love hanging out with everybody at Christmas, but you know what I do realize? I realize that Jesus wants to hang out with those people. And so when I realize that it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me, I have a lot easier time at the table listening to the same old argument about the same politics and the same issue. And you know what the real problem is? I don't care what the real problem is. Do you know what the real solution is? 
Are you with me, church? It makes it real easy to get through the holidays with difficult people when I realize that it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me and that he has created me and predestined me in the opportune moments to have opportunities with people to tell them about the impossible God that did the amazing and the un unimaginable and the inexplicable and the amazing things of those thousands of years so that I might be having turkey with my crazy cousin Christine and telling her that God loves her. I don't have a cousin Christine. That was a politically correct analogy. <laughs> Hebrews 9, verse 28, I'm gonna close. Hebrews 9, verse 28 says this, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear the sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That is why I'm celebrating Christmas season. I don't celebrate baby Jesus. I celebrate the King of Kings. I celebrate the holy of holies. I celebrate the Christ who lived a perfect life, who died and rose again on the third day, that I might have the spirit of God, that I might be able to live holy, that I might be able to live in accordance with the mission and the destiny that he has qualified me to do, knowing, recognizing that he is coming back again, not to bear sin again, but rather to come back for his church, for his people, for those people that he died those thousands of years ago, that they might be reconciled with God. I live the life I live because God did the things he did. Jesus did the things he did, and I recognize that this Christmas. I recognize that this New Year's. I don't want my life to forget about the kingship of Christ because I realize that I have a lot less stress when I realize there's a king on his throne. I don't want my life to forget about the holiness of God because I realize that if I am the temple, I must live in such a way that recognizes and acknowledges the holiness of the spirit that liveth and dwelleth within me. Are you with me? This is holy ground, church. You should be in such a way and have such a understanding. When the Bible talks about that, you might pray without ceasing. You must, you, we ought to get to the place, church, where we are in a constant communion with the spirit that's dwelling inside of us, that literally the ground that we're walking on, we need to recognize and acknowledge that the ground that we are walking on this Christmas, the table that we are sitting at this Christmas, the people that we're surrounded by this Christmas, that it is holy ground because the spirit of God is inside of you. And when you recognize that you're standing and sitting and lying in holy ground, you live different. Are you standing on holy ground today? And finally, are we recognizing the death of Jesus? Are we recognizing the sacrifice? Because when we recognize the death, we have to realize and recognize the salvation and the resurrection and the win over death. And if he died and won, so is it such that we can die to ourselves and win this Christmas. We can die in those difficult conversations. We can die in those hard conversations with family and friends and who else invited this guy? He's here, nobody knows why, and he always causes a problem. Praise God, does he know Jesus? Because that's why he's there because there's holy ground in that place, because the spirit dwells inside of you, and you can tell him about the king of kings that lives in such a way and has control over the universe, and he doesn't need to be worried about every single thing he reads in the newspaper every day because the king's on his throne. Are you with me? Makes voting a lot easier when you realize there's a king on his throne, praise God. I don't lose, I've never lost sleep over anything in the government. Never lost sleep one time. Bible says not to put your faith into princes. Why? Because there's a king of kings and he sits above them all. He's in control. He knows what's going on. We know that they're gonna go have difficult times and we know there's gonna be good times and the Bible says that, that he's been with us and he's overcome the world. You gotta tell yourself that because listen, every Christmas I leave feeling defeated because every single person has to tell me about every single problem in the whole world and we all have to try to figure it out by the time the turkey's done. <laughs> Pass the gravy and you know what we really should do Oh, who brought the salad? And one more thing. And you know, let me tell you about President X, Y, Z, right? I don't care. Because I know Jesus. So I really, like, I'll pray for him. I'm gonna vote. I've got my opinions. But at the end of the day, God's in control. Listen, and it, welcome, welcome to my very easy way of living. Praise God. I pray. I declare. I read, I study, I do my homework, and then I trust God. Makes your life real easy. My first point is God is Jesus, king of your life. Are you bringing the gold of a king to the feet of Jesus this Christmas season? Frankincense, is he holy? Do you recognize and acknowledge the holiness of God in your life? 
is the ground that you live in holy ground. Some of you people need to go to your house and you need to pray and spend some time in God's word and say, this house is holy ground. When people come to my house today, they're gonna feel the presence of God when they have the turkey. They'll say, my goodness, what did you put in these mashed potatoes? Because I feel like God is telling me something right now. This is holy ground, lady. You're here in my household. Me and my house, we serve the Lord. The spirit of God lives in me. I live in this house. This is holy ground. You're welcome. You're gonna leave, on, you're gonna leave change. Praise God. Thanks for coming for turkey. The gravy will be here and then we'll have an altar call after, okay? Praise God. And Mer, do you, are you... Do you recognize the death of Christ and do you identify in his death? Have you hung up your flesh on the tree? Are you walking in the new life? If you're not, I'm gonna have, we're gonna have people up here. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna tell you about what Jesus can do. We're gonna tell you about the new life. We're gonna hang up your flesh on the cross. You're gonna walk out above and not beneath. Praise God. Is God seated in a holy place? Is he the king of your life? And do you follow Christ in his death? Are you dead to sin that you might be raised again in life and life abundantly? Let's pray. I wanna pray for you. We'll have the altar open. If you wanna come up for prayer, we're gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna put a Christmas carol on. Sing and enjoy the singing. <laughs> Praise God. And then we're gonna have Who's My Neighbor? So don't leave. If you are a nominated person, please don't leave because we wanna make sure that you can witness to somebody and tell somebody about Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the families that you have ordained to be here, God. We thank you that going into this Christmas season that we might recognize you as the king over everything, that we might bring to you that which you deserve, being the most royal, the most sovereign, and the overseer of our soul, Lord. We thank you that we're coming to you with the frankincense that we lay it down at your feet, God. May you be in the holy of holy positions, God. May you help us and equip us and enable us to walk in the holiness that is deserving and worthy, that you might dwell inside of us, Lord, that we are your temple, that we should be holy just as you are holy, as your word tells us over and over and over again, God. We cast out any impure thing. We cast out anything that is not worthy. We, we rebuke any type of strange fire that might be in our life, God, that we might be a holy sacrifice living for you, God. And we thank you for the myrrh. We thank you for the prophetic unveiling of the death that you would die on those cross those 2,000 years ago. Not only to be dead, but to be dead, to be buried. But then to rise again on the third day with the keys of salvation, with the victory over death, that we might have life, that we might have life more abundantly. We thank you for your master plan that all of those prophets and all of those judges and all of those kings gave us glimpse and shadows and hints, but that it all became clear on that, on that, on that uh, Easter Sunday when your son rose up on the third day that we might be able to have a high priest that relates to us and understands us. For your word says that we don't have a priest that doesn't understand our, our, uh, our problems or our tribulations, but we have a priest who lived just as we do. We thank you that your word says that no man can come to the Father except through Christ Jesus, and that you made it so that we could do that. Thank you for the opportunities this Christmas, this New Year's. Thank you for those difficult people in our life that you're giving us windows of opportunity to spread the love of God. May they feel the holy ground when they're spending time with us, God. May, they, may, may you work on their heart, may you soften their hearts to hearing of your son Jesus and the amazing, the inexplicable, and the impossible that he did that they might have a relationship with their Father in heaven. We thank you for courage and boldness for each one of those people here today that they might invite someone to church this Christmas Eve, this Christmas day, that they might go into the highways and the byways and the alleyways to look for those people that have been forgotten and overlooked. May we, just as you came and humbled yourself to death, may we humble ourselves to find someone we can bring to church that they might know you. Thank you for a blessing for each of those families. Thank you for abundance and no lack. Thank you that you cause us to be the head and not the tail, that we're above and not beneath, that you work with us, you work for us, you look out behind us, that you're our Father, you're our King, and you are holy, and you are righteous. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed. Get your children. Don't forget them. Get your Who's My Neighbor. And we're gonna have some Christmas music. You can stay and join us. Have a great day.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to the After Nine Show. You know the drill. Ooh, I almost lost my microphone. <laughs> you know the drill. Oh, um, can you grab that other microphone? Sorry. You know the drill. We are here. Service is over. We heard. Um, that's for you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we heard uh, Pastor Michael Quinlan on December 18th give the message called The Three. So today we talked about the three gifts. We talked about the gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh, and how those three gifts related to the prophecies that were foretold, foretold of Jesus and how they relate to us today. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit more now and what we got out of the message today. So if you don't know who we are, I'm Sarah and I'm this is Marcia. Yes, my friend. So we, we get to do this together. And um, if you're watching us on live stream, uh, great. Welcome. And you've never connected with us before, send us a message or um, whatever here or on Facebook and just let us know that you're here. You know, if you want to get connected, if you want to get plugged in, if you need prayer, whatever, you know, great we're to be. Yeah. Yeah, we're here and we love you. And there's so many people I do like the digital stuff or whatever. So there's so many people on YouTube. It's like more than half that aren't even like they don't have usernames or anything. They just they're secret. So if you're here and you want to get plugged in, maybe you've been watching us for a while. Let us know. Yeah, we'd love to connect with you. Anyways, I don't know why I said that, but let's talk about the message today. What stood well, out to you the most? The message today, Pastor Michael has such a passion when he preaches. He yes. really makes you listen he does. and pay attention. And really what he talked about, like Sarah said, the three gifts, yep. what the wise men brought. Now, we always said, like he said, three wise men, but he yeah. said there was a host that really came when yep. Christ was born. Right. And I never really thought myself much about the three gifts. It's just that, you know, they brought their best. Yeah. It was gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but actually the meaning... I I never really thought Unreal, much yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, what he cool. said, gold represents um, kingship. Yep. You know, the metal for a king. Yep. And then shall I go on? Well, I want to talk about myrrh. So you okay. can talk about frankincense. Okay. Well, frankincense, he said, was the most holy oil. Yes. You know, that represents the holiness of Christ. And so when Jesus was born, it just represented how holy of a child he actually was. Yes. You exactly. Know? Yep. I love that. Okay, so I t I loved myrrh. I mean, I, I I knew frankincense. I knew gold. Like it's like they're great, you know. But the whole thing with myrrh was like I was talking to my roommate about it this morning, mm -hmm. and God brought Jesus into this earth. But I I do believe that it wasn't just like an act of duty for God. Like He had a love for His Son as a father would to their son, right? Mm -hmm. So I imagine like. I don't know. Imagine being in God's shoes and being like, okay, this is the myrrh and this is what the myrrh represents as that embalming fluid and knowing what the end of Jesus's life would look yeah, like. Yeah, they, they brought you a gift and actually the it's gift represented. Bone. Like what if you brought, like someone had a baby, you go to the hospital, hey, here's some formaldehyde. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is it's that? actually embalming fluid. Larry's laughing, so I think I'm right. But but it's sad because it's like, you know, when my parents think of me, they think, oh, Sarah's future, we want it to blah, 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 whatever. They want to give her everything that represents they want me to life. Do. Yeah. yeah. But God said my son's future is death. But wow. death for life, you know? Yes. But it's just, it's kind of like, and then who knows what Mary was thinking. I know. Like, you do know? you think that she understood like, if you're not in the, this is just me talking now, but if you're not in the temple, not doing sacrifices, because Mary wouldn't have done that, because mm -hmm. she's a woman, first of all, would she have understood the importance of what myrrh was? I, she probably just looked at the gifts as they brought their best, yeah. I would imagine. Okay. You know, they're bringing me all these beautiful gifts, expensive yeah. gifts. I don't know if she actually would have thought of, and maybe she did, I don't know, maybe she wouldn't have thought of, you yeah. know, it actually meaning, okay, they're really bringing this. Right. My baby's actually living to die. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Do you I think that know. they stayed in the barn or in the, in the you know, because I'm just, I'm just talking at this point. <laughs> but do you think they stayed there for all those years? Or no. do you think that wherever they went, the star followed them? I would think the star would follow them. I would imagine. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know either. I was thinking about that today because he said that by the time that the, the wise men actually showed up, Jesus wasn't a baby anymore. He was a child. Yeah, he was a toddler pretty much. So we, He wasn't yeah, an infant. He, probably like three, two or three. Like he, when he was born, you know, they talk about the star and how he was in the stable and all that stuff. But 
Um, how long? I wonder how long he was there for. <laughs> so I, I would imagine the star would actually follow the sun because he's actually the holy one, That's the true. holy of holies, and like the earth and the stars and everything the would actually earth, bow to him. Yep. So I would think I would like to think that they followed him. That's really cool. I like to think about <laughs> stuff like this. Yeah. You know, at Youth on Friday, we, we were talking about, um, I think it was Pastor Howie that brought it up last year, about, oh, there he is. Ha <laughs> ha. You say his Come name when he comes. Hey, question for you. I don't know. Can, does that work? Yeah, it works. Let me push the button. Well, let me talk while I do it. What's the question? question for you. Last year, I'm pretty sure it was you that told me about the importance of the um, swaddling cloth. Was that you? The what? The swaddling cloth. And yes. how Jesus was our sacrificial lamb. Yes, that's right. Can you share? Oh, you put me right on the spot. <laughs> the swaddling cloth. You see, when... Mary. You what it represents? Is that what I you just want? want I just want him to no no this works but I just okay. need his hand to go up a little bit more and I need that to go up a little okay. bit more. Okay. That's all. When Mary went to Elizabeth. Yeah. And she told her that she was going to have a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Yeah. Right. What they would do was swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were clothes that the priests would had war, yeah. they would take them off, then they would take their clothes and they would sh rip them to shreds. Okay? Yeah. And so then they would take those ripped clothes and wrap the baby in. So obviously when Mary went to see Elizabeth, she got some of those swaddling clothes from Zachariah, who was a oh, priest. Yes. And then when she went back to be born, in Bethlehem, she took those swaddling clothes, yep. wrapped him up, and placed him there. And you see, it's not like we think Jesus was born in a little filthy manger in a stable. Yeah. He was born in the exact birthing place where Scripture said he would be born. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, those shepherds were not just ordinary shepherds. Right. They were shepherds who would take those lambs that they would slay and take them into Jerusalem or Bethlehem or wherever and they would use them as sacrificial lambs. When the angel came and said to those shepherds, mm -hmm. for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. He didn't tell them where the baby was. They already knew yeah. at the birthing place. Yeah. Wow. And it was not a wooden cradle. It was a cradle made of stone, made of concrete, or whatever they made it with. Yeah. And that's where the baby was laid. That's why they knew where to go, because they had often brought those sacrificial lambs Wow. there. Now, I don't know if I told you that last That's, year no. or not, but... <laughs> we, I'm pretty sure. So I was talking to the youth about it, and I was talking about the importance of the swaddling cloth and, mm -hmm. you know, and how Jesus was our sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish and how the parallels were there for yes. both things. Mm -hmm. um, and because we were, we were talking about myrrh today and how the embalming fluid that myrrh is or whatever represents, but how Jesus is purpose in his life was to, to be our sacrifice. Right. Right. So I was having that conversation with the youth on Friday and then I said Pastor Howie shared with me, I'm pretty sure it was him and then I looked over and there you were. alas <laughs> you came. Uh, you I, don't know. I don't know if it was me or not but uh, it was you, you heard me no, but okay. yeah, um, that's all that's it. You, so, you, you can say if you want but. No, I don't want to stay. Okay I can leave? Yeah, you can leave You want to leave? Although it's been said <laughs> many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. That's beautiful. <laughs> you can always get a song in a Pastor Howie. There you go. <laughs> okay, so, well, Pastor Howie kind of took all our time. Oh, but I was okay with that. Okay. It was great doing yeah. it with you. So this is our last uh, After 9 show of 2022. So next time, we're going to see you guys next year, LOL. Um, but we've got Christmas hours happening. If you didn't hear them with Pastor Michael, I will tell you them right now. So we have doors open at 
4.15, Christmas Eve. Not 4.30. Not 4.30. If you got to leave the house, if you got to leave the house an hour early to get here for 4.15, then you do it. You won't be disappointed. You're not going to want to miss it. We've got a really exciting message for you, and it's going to be all hands on deck. So that's 4.15, doors open. 4.30, your butt needs to be in a chair. (laughs) Not in the car, in the chair. You don't want to miss it. No. And then on Christmas Day, it's a Sunday, we will be having service. It's one hour. It'll be nice, short, sweet, and beautiful. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then on New Year's Day, Larry, is it New Year's Day? New Year's Day, the same. same. thing. Exactly the same thing. Yep. And 10 then to 11. We do have the lighthouse tomorrow, but after that, we will have, uh, we'll be postponing the lighthouse until the new year. So tomorrow's our last lighthouse of 2022. And then on Friday, we have our young, our young adults, but youth Christmas party. That's great. It's 6 to 12. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. No. So Sarah's putting it on. It's going to be that's good. That's right. Yeah, we're going to have a, we have, they, I basically let them plan it all. So we've got PJ party. They want to have breakfast. Nice. It's going to be karaoke. great. It's going to be great. So if you've got a youth, youth six, ages, oh my gosh, Sarah, grades six to 12. And I think that's all we have for you today. Do you have any closing words for our people I ending out the year? I just want to say, remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yes. Like Pastor Michael said, is he Lord of your life? That's right. You know, it's not just about the turkey and the food and the gifts. Remember Christ and all you do. Amen. So Merry Christmas yes. till we meet again. Yes. Have the best day of your life. We will see you next year. Or see you tomorrow at the Lighthouse. My bad. Bye. <laughs>